If you're looking for a new way to support Side Mission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by just two of the boys, Kyle and Matt. And today we're talking about one of the most hyped up releases of the year, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. So, first thing worth pointing out, really interesting that this game got a sequel. Fallen Order got a sequel. Really, really interesting, because I don't know about y'all, I thought that Fallen Order was just open-ended enough to leave room for a sequel, but I also felt that as a standalone Star Wars game, it did a good job of just kind of not sequel baiting. It didn't yeah. really leave. It didn't really leave off on a cliffhanger. You know, you end up in case. Spoiler alert: If you haven't played Fallen Order, which, by the way, phenomenal Star Wars game, one of the best Star Wars game in existence. And spo- uh, spoiler alert for this episode: We really loved Survivor as well, and we're going to get into that here soon. Um, you know, Cal destroys the holocron, and it's just kind of like, all right, where do y'all want to go next? And doesn't really leave off on a cliffhanger, and just kind of wraps up the story in a neat little bow. Uh, this game. I have to say, and we'll talk about overall feel of the game before we dive into critiques here. I want to get y'all's take on this because, Kyle, we kind of alluded to it earlier when me and you were kind of talking back and forth about it. This feels almost like how Last of Us Part 2 felt to Last of Us Part 1. In that the first one, there's a little bit more pep in it. There's a little bit more energy. It's a little bit more positive and uplifting. This is a significantly darker story and a darker game than what Fallen Order was. Most definitely. I think that they really embraced a lot more of, uh, I think, the other sides, the other point of views. Um, Like, we talked about so many times in this game, they mention, you know, things that happened during the Clone Wars, uh, and how other, you know, uh, planets, other systems were viewing the Jedi, because obviously most people only saw one side. Um, They really didn't uh, hold back with taking um, a look into, I think, uh, some of the darker parts of the Star Wars universe. And this game itself, uh, adding to it, I think had some dark moments in its story that really made this feel like, you know, a true sequel. There's a lot of things I think made this game feel like a true sequel. Um Outside of the performance. <laughs> yeah. Outside of the yeah, performance. Yeah, I think uh, we'll agree that's one of the biggest negatives, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I gotta say, I, I fucking loved this game. Um, my yes. <laughs> my biggest critique, I think, like everybody else's, is the performance. Um, the game had an initial release date, and it got delayed, and we accepted it, because we've seen what happens when a game comes out undercooked. Now... When a game gets delayed, I expect it to come out, you know, running as advertised. 60 FPS, no screen tearing, not, you know, super buggy. Which, to be honest, my game didn't really have a whole lot of weird bugs and glitches. Um, Rusty's had a pretty interesting one, though. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, again, we'll, we'll get into spoilers a little yeah. bit, Mr. B. So if you want to play Survivor without spo- without it being spoiled, go play it and then come back and listen to this later. Uh, we'll all understand 100%. Definitely. Yeah, my bug was in the, uh, in the last Ravis boss fight where, you know, you kill him and my dude just started bugging out all over the place when I hit him. <laughs> he just started, like, jumping all over the screen and I was just like, what is happening here? Dude, that like, shit was so funny. I know Kyle... The thing that was frustrating for you was you dealt with a lot of the game crashing. The game crashed, crashed quite a bit. Your PS, and it crashed your PS5 a couple times, too. Yes, it did. Um, that has to be one of the most irritating things because there, were, there was, you know, one boss fight that I got completely through. I was midway through the cutscene that comes after, and then it crashed. And when I loaded it back up, I had to redo that boss fight. And that was very annoying because, like, there should have been some kind of automatic checkpoint after I had beat him before the cutscene started. That way, you know, when I come back, in case of something like that, you know, I just start up at the cutscene. Because it was really annoying having to go through that. It was a long boss fight. Yeah, Matt, did you have any crazy performance? I know, obviously, we all played the, we all played the game on PS5. So we all kind of had roughly the same experience. I would shudder to 
see how this would run on my series S, to be honest with you. I, I, <laughs> I, would, I would shudder to see how it runs on that. I really don't want to see that. Um, Performance-wise, Matt, what was kind of the your takeaway? Obviously, I know that none of us are really pleased with how the game performs. When the game runs well, like when, the moment it does hit 60 FPS, it looks awesome. Like yeah. you've seen a really awesome looking game. Did you have anything crazy happen? Um, so I have two things I'd like to point out. So during the first section in Coruscant, I didn't really experiencing anything too, too bad. Like I didn't really get any kind of like FPS dips or anything like that, or any kind of frame stuttering. Um, I didn't start experiencing anything weird until the first time that you arrive on Kobo and it becomes a little bit more open world. I I definitely noticed that the game was not, I don't personally, I don't even think the game was going 30 FPS for me at some points. Um, I I, I, I feel like it was going to like 15. Um, but (laughs) this is actually what's really funny for me so kyle's playstation 5 crashes and you you get that weird moment in that, in that boss fight for me i i i kept running into doors not wanting to open like no what? matter what i did in it not just the doors that just don't open from this side by the way that's a lot of times um but there are every moments, time that happens little moments where i travel on the mantis to go to the next section and the freaking uh the door to the mantis won't open it's just what closed. I can't get I can't get out of the mantis unless <laughs> I reload funny. unless I go back unless I go back to the map, so select yeah. a planet, uh, a different planet, and then I have to go back to that other planet. And then sometimes it'll work. And then other times you're just the door just doors will not open, man. I, I will be I'm It's funny that you mentioned that actually, because I had that happen a couple times um at the saloon. I had that yeah. happen a couple times there where I would sit there, and maybe it was just the game having to load the areas in, and maybe it was just kind of a hidden loading screen or something, but it felt like I was sitting there for, like, 15, 20 seconds, and the door wouldn't open. Yeah, same. Like, it was Uh, just rough. Another thing I ran to is, like, sometimes... Cal, you know, like there's sections like you know you're supposed to be able to wall run here or you're supposed to be able to slide down this wall. Sometimes the animation won't register and Cal will just fall to his death. That's my yeah, favorite. I've had that happen. I'm I've like, had that happen too. I'm like, I'm like, bro, that is clearly a part, an, an area where I can wall <laughs> yeah. run. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? No, I'm right there with you on that. I think that the performance obviously is is very rough on all points. I've noticed a couple times. That, especially on Kobo, which, you know, is pretty much the biggest world that you go to in this game. All the other worlds are open as well whenever, you know, you go to explore them. There's things, there's rumors that you can do, there's bounties that you can chase down. There's a lot to do in this game. Kobo specifically, though, I noticed that as the game, as I spent more time in the open world, the frame rate just kept dropping. Like, it didn't just drop down for a couple seconds and then go back to 30, like... It would be at 30, and then it would drop to, like, 25, and then a minute, few minutes later, it dropped down to 20, and it would just keep dropping to a point where I'm sure I had some moments where I was down in the low teens in frames. And it's frustrating because there's a speeder bike section late in this game where it runs flawlessly at 60 FPS the entire time with no slowdowns, and there's a lot of shit going on on the screen. Like, if you could make that section run at 60 FPS the entire time... Why in the world could you not make the entire game run like that? Right. That's what's really frustrating. And and for me, again, the few times the game hits 60, it looks so good that you're just like, it just teases you almost right. to where you feel like you're just missing this. Um, a small complaint that I have before I get into like the, the complaint that might, you know, that is going to help us kind of get into the positives. Um can someone explain to me why the fuck this game is 150 gigs? Yeah. Why in the world is the download file that big? Like, I'm sorry, Kobo is a big open world, okay? But it is not bigger than Horizon Forbidden West's map. It is not bigger than Elden Ring's map. It's, it's not, not bigger than God of War Ragnarok. It's not bigger than any of God of War Ragnarok's maps. Why in the world is this game 150 gigs? Like... All the other worlds are pretty contained. This, I, 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 that's so annoying that I have 150 gigs on my PS5 hard drive or on my SSD tied up to this game. Like, I yeah. can't download really any other game that I want to try to go back to play or platinum right now because of this game. And that's really annoying. So I just wanted to get that out there. That's something I wanted to bitch about just myself there for a second I do have something to add here Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that the reason why it takes so much space is because um, that mullet 
that mullet it takes up a lot it's of gauge, man. <laughs> it's the poncho. It's the poncho. The it's lack of poncho is why. <laughs> it's all that swag, man. Come on. Man, it, it really is, man. It's the lack of the poncho, man. The fact that I still haven't find, found it for the trophy yet. So <laughs> to kind of get us heading in the more positive direction, the last really big, and I, and I say really big, it's not really a big negative. It's kind of just, you know, it's something that early on I really couldn't shake and it really had me feeling hit or miss in this game. You both know I messaged you about this when we first the first game first came out. I kept saying, like, I just, I don't know about this. Um, the story gets off to a really slow start. It, it it just gets off to a really, really bad start. And Matt, you described it very accurately. It feels almost like a fan fiction. It feels very, yeah. very fan-written, fan-made. Um, you know, Cal Kestis, you're in the shoes of him again, and you're kind of just fighting the Empire, and there's no real end goal early on. And until you get about two and a half, three hours in, you really discover that end goal. It takes a few hours to get rolling. Once you have that end goal in mind, it, it, the story picks up in a big way, and the story becomes awesome. Uh, so much so that, you know, the plot twists late in the game are awesome. The the fights and the set pieces are great. And then, obviously, specifically, a, a story beat that a lot of us love is something they kind of hinted at a little bit in Fallen Order. They hint at it a lot early on in this game, and they follow through on it. And it's we'll, we'll talk about that, obviously. Again, spoiler alert, as we get into all the positives now, um, the gameplay in this game just as solid as the first game, if not better in every way, shape, and form. Kyle, you said you have something. What do you have? Oh, yeah, this is this is where I really wanted to talk about a game being uh, a true a sequel. sequel, in my opinion, is when they take, you know, you in the beginning of Fallen Order and, you know, you feel powerless, essentially. You go through this journey and you learn all of these abilities, you get all these powers, and by the end of the game, you feel really OP. And... In this game, they take Cal from the ending of Fallen Order and just put him in here. And somehow, with all of his abilities and even some added skills and multiple lightsaber stances from the get-go, they, they find a way to make you feel powerless again and take you on this incredible journey learning more abilities, stacking on top of the stances and... All of the other things. I mean, it, I love when a game does that and doesn't say, oops, you somehow forgot everything that, you know, you just got done doing in your last, you, you know, 25-hour right, journey. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, man. Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, man, dude, yeah, for real. And the hey, that's trilogy. A that's a red herring as fuck, by the way. We, we, we're all really enjoying Tears of the Kingdom, by the way. We're recording this uh, a couple days after it's launched. It, they they fooled us like hell though, giving us all those hearts and all that stamina at the beginning of the game. They fooled us. <laughs> yeah, for real. They fooled us there. But but yes, back to Jedi Survivor. I love you have the double jump, you have the wall run, you have your your force push, your force pull. You have all of that back. Yes. You have everything back from the first game, and you feel like you're a badass, like you should, regardless of what difficulty you play on. You feel like a badass. And you learn new abilities along the way that help you. And one of those is, you know, the ability to open doors, you know, using the force, you know, pull, pushing them up or pulling them back down. You learn that ability. You can pull down, you know, entire, like, you know, entire ships with it. Really, really cool stuff there. Uh, the ability to grapple. The ability to grapple is another thing they added in this game. You know, adding the grappling mechanic you know, that you've seen in so many games. I think it was added in God of War using the, the Blades of Chaos and Ragnarok. Um, very, very similar to that. That's a cool addition here. Uh, and all the customization options for the lightsaber available right out of the jump. All the colors, all except for two that you get in New Game Plus, um, with one of those being red. That's pretty badass. You have a red lightsaber in New Game Plus. Um but yes, Kyle, adding all the new abilities you get, this game feels like a true sequel because of that. It really does. I think that also the focus on, I think, um, the traversal, the, you yes. know, the midair dash, the grapple, all of the different things. Like, you know, I, I loved those, um, like the little balloon things that you could grapple to. And then if you held down L2, you could hold, you you know, there in the air and you could shoot yourself off in a completely different different direction or even right back from where you came from. 
it it was really focused on i think not just in the fast travel and you know the way the map is laid out i think being much easier to read just traversal in general feels so much better in this game than it did in fallen order it feels like they really listened to a lot of uh our critiques about the original game and implemented them in the sequel and i gotta i gotta say i really appreciate that yeah, 100%. Again, just having all these abilities and just and creating the fresh new abilities. That's the thing, man. You can tell that Respawn put a lot of effort into that. The other thing is the stances. You know, adding, you know, we had the double-bladed lightsaber, we had the single blade, and then we had, obviously, at some point in Fallen Order, you get the ability to split them for a combo attack. Here, you get the dual-wielding, except it's completely dual-wielding by itself. It's not just one attack that you press a button for and it splits the lightsaber for a second. You get that full stance... But you also get two more additional stances that are really interesting. One being the blaster stance, which is really cool, where you wield a lightsaber in one hand and a blaster in the other. And then the cross guard stance, which I was not a big fan of, but that's been one that's we're talking about. It's kind of a Kylo Ren type stance where, you know, it's stronger attacks that are a little bit slower, that are harder to block. Um, again, Matt, a lot of varied gameplay. It feels like you can play a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's one thing that this game did um, that that pulls off being a sequel compared to the original is not just not just the stances that we talked about, not just the fact that you know you got to keep up all your abilities, but the introduction of perks, which I thought was really yes, cool. Yes. Uh, kind of gives this a type of an RPG type mechanic. And also, I love the way that the new skill tree works as well, where it's not just like you know a, a single uh, a single board where you just, you know, keep upgrading higher and higher, but it's split off into force, um, split off into... Uh, lightsaber and lightsaber survival, yeah. and survival. So, which is, is great. So, and, uh, you know, what it really does is it gives you, like, your own way to play the game because, personally, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the level cap here is or how many uh, skill points you get, but from what it's like, I don't think that you can literally have everything, like, upgraded. Um, because I also saw where you can reset your uh, your skills as well. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. That just gives the player more choice about which way that they want to take, you know, their their character. And it's not all the same. Like one thing that I love that they did was introducing the slam and the like, you know, and the raise. Like I love yeah. raising up an enemy and then slamming them down. It is so satisfying. I love using the force pool to pull in an enemy into my lightsaber. Like this, they really just like did their homework on how Jedi's fight, and like they they took like cues from almost every character across like you know the story, not just you know uh, the main movies, but like the like other games and other content like shows. Like they they really did like improve well beyond what I I, I pictured that this game was going to do. And I think the addition of mounts as well, we talk about traversal, mm-hmm. the addition of mounts is something else, like whether it's an animal that you're going to ride around, like the Spamel that you ride on Jetta, which Jetta, really cool design, love that planet. Obviously, Matt, you kind of, you said something when I was in the middle, or I was close to the end of my playthrough of the story yeah. about how Jetta was where the original, I, I don't know if it was Starkiller base, but it was one of the original like bases for the Empire that was helped developing the Death Star. And, you know, we see it in Rogue One, I think, is where we see it. And obviously we know what happens uh, to it from there. Real quick, uh, Jetta, sorry, Jetta was Rogue One. It was basically the home base of Saw Gerrera. Who was oh, also okay, yes, that's what I know what we're talking about, um, yeah. I actually forgot the name of the planet in Rogue One where the Empire has a, a base set up. Um, okay, so we were mistaken it, there. Star Wars fans are punching air uh, listening to this. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, was more, it was more jungle and ocean, like, it was more tropical. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, okay. So I knew Jetta was in Rogue One. It's Sauger is, and I think they did a really good job of recreating as well. Same thing with Coruscant. I feel like they yeah. did a really good job of recreating Coruscant. Um, we never really see Coruscant in you know the Empire times. Uh, it's not something that we've seen a lot of in any of the uh, in any of the source material. So I, I yeah. like that as well. Um, before we, we we dive into some of the big story beats, obviously, again, spoiler alert. If you want to play this game without having everything spoiled for you, go play it. Don't listen to this now, because obviously we're going to go in depth with some major, major sp- story beats. Um, so you've been warned. So with that being said, fellas, 
Uh, from the jump, I mentioned this game kind of having that Last of Us Part 2 feel compared to Last of Us Part 1, you know, this to fall in order. Um, you've got this whole new crew early on, and one thing that I think would have helped this game, I think if we had seen the last mission that broke up or kind of sent everybody in their own direction, when you talk about Grease, Seer, and Marin, if we had seen kind of how that happened, how they all kind of ended up splitting off, like what the last mission they all ran together was before that, I feel like it would have helped this story a little bit. And then we had, you could have a time jump and go to Coruscant from there and, you know, be fine. Um, Cal has this whole new team that outside of one character in Bodakuna, they all just get slaughtered by the Empire. Yeah. Like, in, in this mission on Coruscant, they are all just slaughtered by the Empire. Like, you meet all these characters, you see that Cal's clearly got a, a, a relationship with all of them, and you're thinking, okay, there's some characters I might see, and then they pull a real invincible on you of just blasting all of them out of nowhere. Like, this game gets off to a really dark start, Kyle. Yeah, it does. I was, I'm was i going to be honest, I was not expecting it because I thought what was going to happen is we were going to be running with this new crew, which I thought was a little bit weird at first, but I was like, oh, okay, uh, you know, I'll accept it. And then they just start killing them off one by one. And I think that, you know, this game really focused a lot on loss, on, you know, they, this game really broke Cal, I think. It beat him down. The first game was a, a lot more uplifting. It was a, about him really becoming a Jedi and, you know, meeting all these new friends. And this game, holy shit, man. Like you said, from the get-go, they really just start tearing into you. And uh, from there, you go to meet Grease, who obviously you haven't seen in a while. And I have to say that this next part where you, you know, are supposed to go save this robot, and then she tells you about, you know, her master that you need to go save, Dagon Gera. This next part yeah. is the one of the craziest fucking parts, I think, in the entire game. Yeah, I think that the entirety of that base that you have to go into, the, the array, you know, that you the forest array that you go into on Kobo, uh, level design in this game was so good. And I think that the forest array is a great, great example here. Because yeah. you ultimately, you know, you make it through this this forest array, this base, uh, you know, you, you have to deal with these Kobo particles that kill you if you stand in them for too long. And after you get there, you find a Jedi in a Bacta tank. And it's his name is Dagon Gera. After, and, and you were sent there by this, this droid Z that her master was Santari Kree, who was another Jedi, um, was friends with Dagon Gera, kind of romantically involved, but it's it's kind of hinted at that, you know, they were kind of a thing, kind of not really. Obviously, the rule with Jedi has always been that Jedi do not show emotion, and ultimately, the, the existence of a Jedi is very, very lonely. You're not supposed to marry as a Jedi. So, and, that, and we'll get into that hint, hint, here in a bit, obviously, with a certain plot line that we all love. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you find him... And you hear about this place called Tantalor that is supposedly so far in the outer reach, out of the rim, that the Empire has no presence there and has no idea of its existence. So you're, you know, Dagengar essentially turns evil after he gets out. You fight him. By the way, he's got one arm, and somehow with his little arm stump, he can still use the Force. <laughs> Not really sure how the fuck that works. Yeah, that was so wild. Yeah, he was throwing his yeah. lightsaber at you like that. But that part when he turned evil though, when, yes. he, when he takes the kyber the, the, yeah. the crystal out and he turns it red right in front of you, I was like, Oh shit, because I thought we were about to have a new friend and Oh yeah. man, we were not. That was such a cool scene though. I think that's really where, you know, the performance of the PS five because for some reason some of these cutscenes like that one were running really well. And it just showed how beautiful this machine can make, you know, these games. I think that that, Absolutely. you know, that scene, one of my one of my favorites, I think, in uh, all of Star Wars games. 
Yeah, it gave me chills when you saw him change the color of the kyber crystal from yellow yeah. to red, and then you know the the big chorus kicks in when his lightsaber lights right. up. Like yeah. it's just it's chills, man. It's it's similar to you know in Fallen Order when when Darth Vader kills Trilla at the very end. You know the way the chorus kicks in after he slashes her down just gives you chills a little bit. It's a moment. Um, it's a moment. <laughs> it's a moment that you're like you're playing through it and you're like I'm gonna remember that. I'm going to remember this moment. Um, you fast forward a little bit. You end up find you, you, you figure out that ultimately to find the way to Tantalor, you need a little, a little bit of help. So you go to Jeddah where Seer is. And Seer is there with a couple friends of ours, one old one that we all know and all of that we'll talk about in a minute, but a character, another character that I don't think any of us expected to see in this game because I think we all just assumed he was dead. And that's Eno Cordova. You know, yep, he walks same. out, you know, you know, BD starts going crazy when he sees kind of this figure step out into the light. We don't know who it is yet. And then it pans up and it's Eno Cordova. And it's just a really cool moment. Because again, I don't think any of us thought that he was alive still. So it's this really cool moment where, you know, you meet this guy that you only saw holograms of the entire first game. Um, so you find out that obviously he and Seer have been putting together a Jedi archive before you get there. You run into another old friend, and I'm just gonna say this is my opinion. If you boys <laughs> share this opinion, I, I, I'm I'm glad that we can agree. If y'all do, if y'all don't, that's fine. I don't think there's any question. I think that Marin absolutely steals this game. She I does. think that Tina Evlev does an incredible job voicing her, and I think that the writing for her was. Per I think she steals this game right from Cal Cal Cameron Monaghan does a great job in this game, but Marin absolutely a scene stealer in this you run into her again matt and and she's just somehow even more badass than she was in the first game yep i i want to say the thing that i noticed first was her new design in this game was incredible like the glow up out of all the characters in the, in this game <laughs> um i love the how you know we're introduced to her and jetta like you know uh we're looking for you know we're looking for seer here but you know we just we get to run into her and this is also one thing that I know I don't think we, we talked about uh, at the combat was the introduction of uh, partner like the, the AI partner attacks. Yes, I, I thought hers was really cool where she uh, basically can tie down an enemy with like uh, these these green ropes or whatever. And yeah, her magic, her night sister magic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And she. Oh my god. Uh, Night Sisters are just such a cool concept to me. Like it was so incredible when I first found out about them way back during the Clone Wars, and you found out that they're basically the female equivalent of what Darth Maul is on Dothamir. Yeah. Um, but what I really like the direction that they took her character in is the fact that you know we we find out that everybody got separated because you know they you know they have different paths that they want to go on and basically we find out with Marin is that you know she is just trying to figure out her place and you know so when she goes off on her own path and you know at the same time she's also assisting uh you know seer and locating you know potential jedis and all that um now she still is the show and i'm we're going to talk about this part because i know yes. we have really been wanting to talk about this part is when you are searching for the hidden path and where they are hidden. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> we, get, we get introduced to one of my favorite abilities and one of the, the those parts that in this game, I just wish that I could go back to it without having to go through the rest of it. Just instantly go this part is when the driller, like the empire yeah. has located where the hidden path is. And there's this machine and it's called the driller. Now, for Star Wars fans, you recognize these machines in the Clone Wars as what the Empire, as what um, the uh, what is it? The, uh, the, 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 the Republic? No, no, no. It's the it's the droid, the Trade Federation, and all that. Oh, yeah, that okay. side of things. Um, those drillers are used to attack uh, Kimono or Kimono, Kimono. Yeah, something I like that. It, 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 it's where the clones were created. Kimono. I'm just going to leave it there. Come on, you're come on. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we, we get introduced to this teleportation ability. Um, but during the whole section, it just felt like one giant roller coaster where you are wall, you are using all Cal's special abilities. You are flipping. You are wall running. You are uh, dashing. You are swinging around, and you are basically going through these portals that Marin is creating to get you around the machine. And my God. 
it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. I feel like it's the perfect length of time for this whole sequence. And just, man, that was, that was just incredible. Like, they really outdid themselves with every action scene uh, set piece. E even for me personally, the original introduction of Darth Vader um, in uh, Fallen Order. Like, th this scene, like, this whole this whole section of the game will just never, will never be something I'll forget. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a, a good comparison um, for that scene because it kind of it felt the same. Think about like back in Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and the sequence where you're on Molinoth and you're with Rivet and uh, and Ratchet or Rivet and Clank, and you're you're tr you're meeting the Junker or whatever his name is that you know that the the being that helps fix the crystal that you need the Blizzar crystal, and you know he he's you know you're grinding all those rails he's destroying everything around you. It's kind of like that. It's that same level of chaos just happening around you. But it's one of the coolest action sequences in the entire game. And again, like it's just one of those standout moments where you play through it and you're like, I wish there was chapter select. I wish I could go yeah. back and do this again and again. This is it's so much fun. Yeah. And in all of this, it's a great a great segue for us to finally get something we've been talking we've been hinting at the entire time. Let's talk about let's talk about the storyline between Cal and Marin because it's hinted at very, very lightly in Fallen Order, that there's something there. There is very much some kind of chemistry there because they both come from similar backgrounds. They're both, pardon the pun with the game name, they're both survivors. They're the last of their kind. <laughs> She's the last Night Sister. Cal is believed to be the last Jedi. I mean, obviously, we know how this game goes, and we'll get to that soon. But Triggered! The last Jedi! Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the last Jedi. I'm not even sure for that. It's funny. Um, but it's hinted at that there's very much some chemistry there between the two of them. And then it's hinted at very on that, again, there's, there's some feelings there between the two of them. And then finally it's confirmed, and right before the portal section, Marin takes this opportunity to kiss him. Yeah. Moment, I think we all celebrated because we all kind of saw that it was hinted at and the game finally went for it. The game finally goes for it later in the game when it finally puts them together. And I have to say, it's incredible to me that th that we have finally, it took two movie trilogies, multiple spinoff shows. This is the best romance plotline that has been written in Star Wars since the original trilogy. And I'm not so sure that this didn't top that. I am not sure that this did not top the original trilogy with Han and Leia. I am yeah. not sure that I think there's a very real chance that it topped it. And I want to say out there, I want to get this from you too. Do either one of you feel like it was forced? Because I didn't feel like it was forced at all. And I think there are some stupid ass motherfuckers on Twitter that think it was. And I think they're wrong. Uh, no, it was definitely not forced because, you know, they had build up um, in the original game. Uh, not so much on the romantic I side. Disagree not, with me there when I just said that that aggressively. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> um, not so much on the romantic side um, in in uh, Fallen Order, but like you know, we we also don't know what happened after Fallen Order because you know they still were on adventures and we still get little flashbacks. So you know, we we weren't exactly there to see the more uh, you know how how much closer that they got. But no, I, I don't feel like it, it was forced at all. It felt very natural. I mean, it wasn't nearly as forced as a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old and uh, Phantom Menace, or I think she was 14. <laughs> she was something like that. But Padme and Anakin, still awkward to this day with the age difference. Let's get that through. Um, yeah, very awkward. It felt, like I said, it felt very natural. And on top of that, man, how can you not ship them? Like, how? Yeah, like I, I, I don't know how you couldn't. I liked how Cal was like holding back because he he still stays true to the Jedi, you know. I guess the Jedi law or the way that they, you know, the Jedi, order, Jedi yeah. can't have romantic relationships, and he still kind of holds on to that. But then it's like later on in the game, you know, he's like, the "Order's gone," you know. These he finally accepts it, yeah, yeah pretty much, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I love that he kind of finally shed that belief. He said, the order's gone. We need to move on. And he admitted he finally knew what he wanted and he wanted to be with yeah. her. So, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I love that. And, you know, Kyle, we've seen the ending, so we kind of know who's around at the very end. And, you know, there obviously is a character that joins their crew at the very end. I think there's a lot of endless potential with that. I don't want to say names here because I don't want to spoil it for Matt. Um, 
I think there's a lot of potential with how this game ends to really take that relationship somewhere interesting. I, I think there is. Very true, very true. I definitely think that's what they're setting up for. Um, I gotta say, that the way that they showed Cal's struggle, like Matt said, with coming to terms that the, you know, the Jedi are gone. You know, the the Order, it, it's over. The it's, of old. It, it's yeah. you know, time to, <laughs> you know, set your own path. And we, you know, we've seen what happens before when a Jedi falls for a woman. And he starts embracing the dark side as Cal's done. And I think that there is a lot of really crazy potential for the third game for them to really dive into that. Because, I mean, it's, you know, th there is a reason why the Jedi never, you know, wanted to have relationships, while I personally disagree with it, you know, Anakin was a very good example, um, I wonder if that's what they're, you know, going to be setting up with Cal, if they're setting up for him to, you know, fully, you know, or even if, I don't think they would do this, but what if they ended up in the third game giving us a choice to choose to be good or evil? Kind of like how they yeah. did in, um, oh, damn, what were those, the, oh, damn, what were those, those games, they were PS2, PS3, Star oh, Wars games. Force the, Unleashed. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Force Unleashed. Oh. Yeah, well, dude. Force Unleashed. Oh, you yep. I thought you were going to say Code War or something like that. No, no, like in Force Unleashed, because couldn't you choose to be good or evil? That would be a very yeah, there interesting was a, there's turn. There's a karma system, yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. be very interesting. Uh, but I, I think that they're definitely... Uh, they, I've they, said that. I think... Uh... Mm -hmm. No, you're good. Go ahead. No, man. obviously, they didn't put in the you know this whole him leaving the jedi order and embracing the darkness for no reason i think that that is set up for something we will see in the in the third game and i think and i know matt you had something you wanted to add i'll get to that in a second i think that you know the belief with the jedi order has always been that love creates emotion emotion sometimes clouds judgment i think that's always been the belief of the jedi is and that's ultimately what led to anakin's turning i mean Anakin in the prequels ends up turning because of the fear of Padme dying in childbirth. Yeah, That's yeah. ultimately what leads to him to make his decision. And now, of course, as stupidly written as it is in the prequels, where it's <laughs> this, 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 you know, this 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 episode's going to go into a completely different discussion here. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, you know, as stupidly written as it is that you know Palpatine pretty much tells Anakin. You know, it's a, a power to cheat death is something that no Jedi has ever done. But if we work together, essentially he tells him we can figure it out. Like, and now of course it doesn't get figured out. Padme still dies, and it doesn't make it. Yeah. And, and yeah. the greatest villain of all time in Darth Vader is created. Um, yeah. I feel very confident saying that because Darth Vader is the greatest villain in all of entertainment. There's no arguing that. Um, but I think that's always been the thing, and, and I think that sets up for some very interesting possibilities in a third game, which I think we're 100% getting, um, because I think that there's still a lot, and that's the thing about the Star Wars universe, there's a lot of lore here. There's a lot of stuff that can be told, and the thing is, all three of us know exactly where this storyline, like, we know where the universe is right now. And we know ultimately where it goes. We know that this game, this series, is not going to end with them toppling the Empire. We know it's not going to end that way. So it's very interesting to see where this goes from here. So, Matt, you had something that you wanted to add. Oh, actually, Rusty, you actually said I was going to say, because when we were talking about the relationship between um, Mirren and Cal and what it could potentially lead to, uh, the fact that once a Jedi gives himself emotions towards another, it becomes so much easier to, for the dark side to take over. And it's like we, we talked about Palpatine giving Anakin visions. Um, so, yeah, no, you, you covered it. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure. Okay, fair enough. My bad. Yeah, yeah so you're covered. <laughs> it, it was very interesting that Rusty talked about how uh, Anakin turned to the dark side because of his fear. Because... Like we said earlier on in this episode, this game starts with Cal losing his entire team all but Bode. Yeah, yeah. This game puts you through the ringer, losing so many people. There's an entire section in the middle that we have yet to talk about, which was fucking oh, awesome. To it. But it, it, you know, it really puts you through the ringer with all of this loss and. At the end, Cal says that he's afraid. 
of what's coming next. And, you know, shortly after the game ends, but that, I, that it just it just clicked with me that, oh, you know, Anakin turned to the dark side because he's afraid. And then that line, you know, at the end of the game where Cal says he's afraid, dude, they they could really be building up for a not happy ending. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I think we are careening towards a a third game that is going to be an emotional roller coaster. In fact, and I want to say this now: this is an official prediction for me on the third game. I think the third game, and I it will kill me internally if it does this. I yeah. think the third game. I think Cal is going to kill Marin in a fit of rage on accident. I think he's going to have. I think he's going to give into the dark side just long enough to kill her. Yeah, and I, and it would. That would be, and I, obviously, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I would prefer this story have a happier ending for the two of them because Same. I love both characters. I'd prefer it have a happier ending. But I genuinely think that's the path that we are going down. I think that's the path that we are going to go down is that he's going to give into the dark side just long enough to kill her, and then from there, who knows? So back kind of the story, a lot of things end up happening. You end up finding uh, essentially the map to get to Tantalor. And you take it to Eno Cordova on Jetta to fix it because it's been damaged. And this this game almost does the Voss from Far Cry 3 thing where in one of the coolest levels in this game's version, essentially of Sky City, essentially, essentially you know, I can't think of the name of, you know, this, you know, Cloud City or whatever it is, you know, from Empire Strikes Back. Essentially that version of the, this version of that um, you kill Dagon Gera after giving into a little bit of the dark side as Cal. You essentially use Dagon Gera's fear against him, which is something that the Jedi were not taught to do. You and Bode end up defeating Dagon Gera, and all feels well, and you feel like you're about to get a new home, and then right as the map is repaired, Bode betrays you. And it you find out that not only is he an Imperial spy, this was the reveal that have my jaw on the floor, you find out that Bode was actually a Jedi. And it is such a well-done reveal as you go after him a little bit and he force pushes you back and you see the shock on Cal's face that this whole time he's been with another Jedi and the moment that Bode whips out the red lightsaber, whew, another moment in this game, fellas, that you just, I'll let you both talk about it. Kyle, you can go first. I just, another moment that just is unforgettable in this game. Yeah, when when Bo used the force on you and pushed you back, I what a jaw dropping moment. I had suspicion early on that Bo was gonna betray you, and it you know they tagged me along with him just long enough for me to drop my guard and say, you know, Rusty, I don't think he is gonna betray me. And one hour later, he whips out a red <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm damn man, because from early on, I was like, man, I just, I don't know, I have a bad feeling about this guy, and you know, it wasn't until he was trapped on the other side of um that uh, barrier when you were inside that base, and you know, he had to shoot the two droids, and you guys got separated because I thought at that point I thought something was going to happen, and then you know, I was like, okay, well maybe. You know, because now he's really in danger because, you know, it's just him off fighting the Empire. I was like, maybe maybe he's not going to betray me. Man, what an <laughs> insane scene for them to, you know, go through. And, and the whole fight was so fucking cool. The Oh, man, I, I got to give him props. The boss fights in this game were way stepped up from the yeah. first game. And not to mention yeah, there were also a lot more. The first game, the real standout boss fight in that one outside of the final fight with Trilla really is just the fight with Terran Malikos. He's yeah. really the only standout boss fight in my opinion. Well, the one with uh, Gargara or whatever it is, or Gargora. Like, that one on Kashyyyk is also a really, really good uh, boss fight as well. Uh, Matt, tell me, Matt, uh, what was kind of your reaction initially? We'll get into what kind of happens after you deal with Bode here in a second because, oh boy, like, this is where the real heavy hitters start coming in. Can't hint as far as who we see from here on out. Uh, what was kind of your reaction to Bode betraying you? Man, I'll, um, I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, during that fight with Dagon, the one that's, you know, you you, uh, you kill him, I thought Dagon was going to kill um, Bode at that part. Like, 
I'm, I'm kind of confused as to why he didn't, because did anyone not understand that? Like, why didn't he kill him? He had Me personally, I took it as Dagengar was that arrogant yeah. that he more or less just assumed that Bode would stay down. Yeah. Um. It, it, I think that it could have been better explained. Like, I think if they had like given you a collectible that said, "Well, you know, Bode's actually been secretly been, you know, working with Dagangara as well." If they had done that, yeah. it'd have been like, yeah. "Okay, that explains why he didn't kill him." Like, maybe he expected him to turn on Cal mid-fight, and maybe that's how it happened. Um, Makes sense. But I, I, I chalk a lot of it up to Dagangara, who was very airy. Which, by the way, I want to say, I don't think there's a character in this game that's poorly written. I think there's. Yeah, I think yeah. every major every major character in this game has really good moments. I thought Dagangara was a good villain, and it's unfortunate yeah. that he was more of a red herring in this one yeah. to Bode, um, because Bode really is only the main villain of this game for about four hours. He's not. It's about a twenty five hour game, twenty five to thirty hour game. If you you know if you play on Jedi Knight difficulty, um, depending yeah. on obviously your skill set and how much exploring you do, um, Bode is not a villain for very long in this game, and considering Kyle and I know how the game ends, it's a little frustrating that Dagangara was almost kind of just red herringed a little bit into Bode being the villain for only about four hours, because, spoiler alert, not exactly sure that we're going to see Bode Akuna in the third game. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, not exactly uh, sure we're going to see him, but go ahead and continue, Matt. Um, So, to be honest, what I think why this twist was so pulled off is the fact that Bode really is not a villain, he is. No. Uh, there's a line that he said where you know he's like, "I'm not a you know I'm not a monster. I'm a father," and you know we as as we're pursuing Bode and you know we locate him in his hideout um, on an Empire base. Yeah, I thought that Garen, that was a yeah. really. I thought that that was a really cool kind of like the fact that this twist didn't happen just to be a twist, just to shock us. There was actual you know merit behind it and why he was working with the Empire. So. Because, you know, we, we see his daughter, Kata, and honestly, it makes sense. Bo, you know, he, he tells us how he lost his wife and Kata's mother, and, you know, that he had a, a kind of a contract thing with, um, or uh, a partnership with this member of the Empire. I think his name was Davik or something like that? I think it was Denvik. I think it was, uh, it was, uh, in, Davik, it wasn't, a, yeah. it, it wasn't an Inquisitor, but it was Denvik, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, he, he he was keeping them in you know hidden because you know he he's a Jedi. He he's being he's being hunted. Um so I think the fact that there's just an emotional reasoning as to why he did what he did is why the twist works so well. Because if there's one thing I can't stand, it's when someone does something or makes a twist betrayal just because oh we just want to shock the players but you know yeah, we just want to subvert expectations and exactly. i think that this one there was meaning behind what exactly. Bo did and i have to say yeah. Bo Akuna, really good character i i yeah. really enjoyed his presence in this game disappointed that we're probably not going to see any more of him um hint hint as far as how the game ends um but i think that that's <laughs> it's pretty easy to figure out i mean if you know at this point about Bo's betrayal you can safely figure out how the game ends from there um, I think that his inclusion in this game, again, he's a very complex character. You know, it just goes to show, I mean, everybody is a villain to somebody in this universe. Everybody is a villain to somebody. And ultimately, Bode isn't doing what he's doing for hateful reason. He did what he did because ultimately he just wanted to protect his daughter. And he worried that taking the hidden path and taking all the archives, taking all of that to Tantalor might risk potentially revealing that location to the Empire. He worried about that, and it's very clear the day before his betrayal in the game, it's very clear that that bothers him. It's yep. very clear that he doesn't want to just go to Tantalor with everybody right away. He wants to scope it out to make sure it's safe first, and obviously when that doesn't happen, when Cal doesn't agree to that, that's when the betrayal happens. So uh, after the betrayal happens... And you have your little dust up, your little boss fight with him, and Cal ultimately is knocked unconscious, away away from the Hidden Path base, the Anchorite base. Ooh. This is one of my favorite parts of the game. You take control of Seer. Yes. And that yes. is so cool because she plays different from Cal. She's a completely different kind of Jedi. She's more of a master. And she's got different abilities, doesn't have any skill tree or anything. 
but ha- you know has a different like special ability, a special uh, you know ultimate ability that's really cool to where she can essentially block everything in front of her and then shoot it out and defeat every enemy in front of her. That's really cool. And then the part of the game that had me screaming the most. When you go to get the archives, you get give it to BD one, and you kind of feel this little, this little like kind of uh-huh. freeze, this little freeze, and this like you know this this disturbance in the force almost. And she tells BD one to get back to the ship, and who opens the door to the archives? None other than fucking Darth Vader himself. Yep. And Matt, this boss fight oh. was <laughs> incredible. I loved every second of this boss fight. So I was in a party with Rusty and you know, he's, he's basically just kind of like, okay, something's going to happen. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I want to be for your reaction. And, um, when I see the look on Sierra's face that she knows that she's basically being watched or whatever, I, I was literally like, Oh Lord, he coming <laughs> because I just <laughs> felt it. I just felt it. Um, and then, yep, there he is. And then the freaking amazing Imperial March starts playing Darth Vader's theme and it is just an incredible fight where you honestly feel like that you are not... I don't even feel like you're underpowered. Seer is... Seer really is a master. Like, she held her own. Like, you know, Vader is... Vader's at the top. Vader's, like, almost impossible to kill because he's completely driven by emotions, by anger, by sadness, which... By rage, exactly, yes. By, which is exactly what the dark side of the Force feeds off on, and he's at the peak. So the fact that Seer was able to hold her own for as long as she did really shows that you know she's no chump and kind of getting into it one thing i really did like about this is how at the end of the first or around the end of the first game where you encounter vader for the first time you know he he fights trilla who was uh sears padawan so you know it's basically darth vader coming to finish what he started and i feel like it ties it all together really well i agree and kyle Obviously, the ending of this fight, yeah, as one could assume, ends with Sears' death. And, dude, you want to talk about a heavy shot to the gut as a player? Oh, yeah. Man, like, this was, this one hurt. And and I just, I remember kind of saying that. First of all, Deborah Wilson, incredible as Sears. Through two games, awesome job portraying her. Really, really, and excited to see how she's used potentially as a Force ghost moving forward. And I hope that she is used as that. Um, because Deborah, Deborah Wilson's a, an awesome voice actress, and, and I really hope that she's not completely done here. Man, just an absolute gut punch. And of course, we know what this leads to for Cal when he finds her. We know what he starts to do the moment Sear is killed. Yeah, that that ending where you know uh, she lunges at Darth Vader, and it looks like at first she stabbed him. But then you look and it's right underneath his yeah. armpit, and in actuality, he stabbed her. That shit was fucking brutal. But then Cal comes running up and he finds her, and he embraces the dark side completely. And you get this new ability where you can do just that embrace the dark side. And you go into a fit of rage, and you just start swinging your saber, but it's like a one-hit kill on everybody. It's insane. That was one of, uh, again, another one of the biggest turning moments for me was when they essentially showed that Cal is not only in tune with the good side of the Force, he's also in tune with the dark side. And, man... Seer dying right after Eno Cordova as well, especially because, like you said earlier, I didn't think that he was still alive in Fallen Order. I thought that he was dead. So when we saw him, I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. He's alive. And they killed him, and then, you know, soon thereafter, they kill Seer. Man, that shit was rough. But what a great fight. I mean, that whole scene, that whole section, playing as Seer, fighting all of the stormtroopers, leading all the way up to the end with Darth Vader. I think that was, it was perfect. And for me, this leads to one of my favorite lines in the game, one of the most memorable lines in the game when, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Grease. And and Grease, he's in this game quite a bit. Takes a little bit more of a backseat in this game compared to in Fallen Order. Fallen Order, he's a lot more, you know, he, he he's around a whole lot more in that game, and he's obviously a lot more 
He's not as nice in that game as he is in this one. He's definitely softened up quite a bit in this one after years of having a couple years of peace of running the the saloon on Kobo. Um, But he has an incredible line after you reunite with, you know, BD Marin and and him back on the Mantis. And it's the line that goes, you know, we all know it's a rigged game, but we choose how to play. And it's, oh my, that's one of those where like, that's up there with, you know, death can have me when it earns me from God of War. Yeah. It's like, God, this these writers were fucking cooking. Yeah. These writers <laughs> were cooking. Like, and, it, and it's it's just, again, like, this is where you start to see Cal embrace more of the dark side because you get to Nova Garen, and after, you know, finding where Bode stays, you know, you, you find Kata, and he ends up using you as a distraction. They escape, and you find Denvik again after you've reunited with Marin, and she's kind of helped you finish off all the troopers that are around you. And Cal starts to choke him, and it's just, and, and this is again one of those scenes where Marin just steals it, where she talks about you know how she understands that he's in pain, but this is not who he is and that, you know, the empire's taken enough from them and that she's not going to let them take him as well. Just a scene where she absolutely steals it kind of brings him back to reality a little bit. Uh, it just again, just everything that happens from this point in the story on is just, it's heavy hit after heavy hit. This yeah. story, if you can get into it after the first three hours, if you give it that time to get going, this game is every bit the sequel that Fallen Order deserved. It is oh, yeah. such a phenomenal sequel. So much so that I will go on record and say, if they fix the performance of this game, and I know that Tears of the Kingdom just came out, and I love that game, what I've played so far, I'm not discrediting it. I just I want to beat it before I say anything else about it. <laughs> they fixed the performance of this game. This is my early game of the year pick. Very, very early. There's a lot of games still coming out. A lot of games still coming out that are going to be great. This is my game of the year front runner for right now. If they fix the performance, because if they fix the performance, this is a ten out of ten game. Yeah, because it, it is really. De- we haven't even gotten guys. We haven't even gotten into all the side stuff. There's so much cool collectible as far as filling the fish tank at the saloon. Yeah. Uh, you know garden. the the plants, the garden on top of it. There's like everything. Finding all the all the clothing and armor sets is cool. And new you know, characters. New game plus. You yeah, new characters. New characters like, add to the saloon. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, um, and I could I stumbled upon this. Did you guys do you guys know what happens after you find and you do all the bounties? No. Do, do you want me to tell you? Yes. That's fine. You have a run in with none other than Boba Fett. Holy hey! shit! Okay. The man himself to Mura Morrison. Someone gave me the memory eraser wow. for Men in Black. Oh my god! <laughs> you know it is so cool. You don't fight him. You don't fight him. Yeah. But it's a it's a side story kind of thing, and I'm not going to spoil the the, the the plot line. But I saw that, and I was like, I have to bring this up because that is so cool to see another main character from the actual like from the lore and the mythology of Star Wars to see Boba Fett in this game. It's just so cool. It's just such a really cool moment. And again, I loved this game. I plan on platinuming this game. I know Kyle plans on it. Matt, That's I don't it. know about you. I don't know. I, do. I don't know if you plan on it. You, you do as well. That's cool. We'll all help each other with it. I, I I genuinely love this game and I can't wait for the third one. I think that Respawn is really gonna do a good job with this trilogy, and I'm really looking forward to seeing just how far they go. If there's, if there's one thing I would love to see in the third game, I would love to see an M rating. I would love to see an M, a rated M version of this game because rated T is fine and it's been fine, but I think to tell the dark story that they're kind of hinting at, they really need no restrictions. They need to be able to do whatever they need to do here. So, fellas, it's been a good episode, been a long episode. I'm going to give you both a chance here. Any closing thoughts, anything that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Matt, we'll start with you. Any closing remarks on Jet Star Wars Jedi Survivor? Uh, so, maybe not so much on the game, but I would honestly love to see a TV show, a, a TV show, maybe not just an entire based off of the game, but I want to see Cal Kestis introduced into live action. Like, yes, I want to, I want to see all these characters in, in, in some way, because I feel like Cal has definitely cemented himself as a icon in the star Wars, you know, universe. 
Cameron Monahan's portrayed him really well. I yeah, will I agree. agree with that. I, I, as much as I loved Marin in this game and thought she was amazing and my favorite character by far, uh, Cameron Monahan's absolutely nailed this role in two games. Kyle, what about you? Yeah, I, I want to see an M rating for the third game. I think that one thing that I really wanted from Fallen Order was it to be a little bit more realistic when it came to the combat. Um, seeing human dismemberment was cool because yes. I was like, I'm attacking people with a lightsaber. I should not just be marking them up. I hate, you know, I didn't really like that about Fallen Order. So to see that I was actually able to, you know, cut pieces off of these enemies, I felt like there was a lot more, you know, destructibility when it came to the world. There was a lot more shit that I could destroy. It just, it felt a lot more real. And I think that they should take it all the way for the third game. Give us the M rating. You don't need to use that vulgar of language. It doesn't need to have that much adult content. But... Star Wars has never been shy from doing things like cutting limbs off, legs, arms, decapitations, you know. Or Dooku. <laughs> I mean, we've seen, and and I think, you know, a PG-13 rating works. It sells, you know. So I think an M rating where it's mainly just so the combat is that realistic, I I would love to see that. Yeah, I, I, I just want to reiterate, massive fan of this game. Massive fan of it. it. It got off to a bit of a rough start, but man, once this game picked up and got going, I, I absolutely loved it. I know the two of you did as well. So it's been a long episode, fellas. Pretty damn long. I haven't had Kyle text me how long the episode is, so I'm, not even, I'm just going to let him tell me after we get off here as well. Um, but that is a good place to wrap up. So... That is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. Follow us on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Matt, for Kyle, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.